Hey, Randy. Happy Father's Day, Randy. I'll tell you what, buddy. I saw your post this morning about your kids, and I got a little choked up, TBH. So well done. Team Daddy shit. Hashtag Team Daddy shit. Randy's on his stuff. And not only that, Randy, our son, the mother-loving voice of reason, dropped a new single this week with his uh, band Gangsta Grass. Freedom. Um, Freedom. And the, it was brutal and great. The chorus has been in my head all weekend long. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad Pee Wee. Oh, where are Lennon? Hi, Chris. He doesn't even say hi to us. He just goes, where's the thing I want, which is Len and Brian. Hi, Christopher St. Saucy. Good night. Good morning. Uh, Len um, is celebrating Father's Day, I assume. Mm -hmm. He can't make it. And Brian is not feeling well. I know that he has been dealing with some back issues. And boy, howdy, can I relate to that? I know how that goes. So Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that you're stuck with us i know sorry uh, uh brian will not be around to um answer very detailed minutiae questions that you so have that. so uh we are here to discuss this week's comics thank you so much for tuning in to the spoiler alert podcast i'm your host johnny destructo with me this week is the one the only the the one one no. guest no. <laughs> no hi so we don't have any letters Christopher St. Saucy, good night. I'm just saying I would read a letter if I had a letter, but I don't think I have one. Although he has sent me letters in the past and I've missed them and claimed that we didn't have letters and he got real mad at me. So it's entirely possible that I just don't see his letter. But um, you are here and you're joining us and you can write us letters right now. You can just chat with us. If there's anything you want to contribute, please write it in the comments. We've got a little handy dandy thing that streams both of the comments from YouTube and Facebook. And uh, let's get started with Dark Knights, I keep, I keep messing this up. Dark Knights Death Metal, number one. Did I do it? I did it. Yeah, I'm super proud of you. Thank you. It's all written out and you just read it correctly. Well, no, I was bringing up the file, so I was- I, I Oh, yo. <laughs> um, Multitasking. Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, get ready for the earth-shattering encore. The legendary team behind Dark Knight's Metal and Batman Last Night on Earth take center stage and reunite for one last tour. When the Earth is enveloped by the dark multiverse, the Justice League is at the mercy of the Batman who laughs. Humanity struggles to survive in a hellish landscape twisted beyond recognition. While Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman have all been separated and fight to survive. Unleash the beast! And let the hang headbanging begin. Um, what did you think? What did you think of this book? Oh, so if anybody wants to go back in the feed, we literally did spend like 40 minutes on a reread of Dark Knight's Metal because both of us had some issues with it when we first read it. Oh, yeah, it was was so bad that we were like, Did we enjoy? Do we even enjoy this? I don't know. I don't know if we did. Turns out, in retrospect, I did. Rereading it, much better experience. So uh, I was keyed up. I was ready for uh, this new number one to drop. 
And uh, Christopher St. Saucy says, huh, you are right. I didn't email you. Were there any lead-ins to death metal? That depends on if you count 30, 40. How many issues of Justice League? Uh, well, it was like 39 issues of Justice League, but then four issues of No Justice. Um, <laughs> so like 43 issues of lead-in. Yeah. That immediately I mean, also, started after death Me or after metal. Yeah. yeah, and also Dark Knight's metal is definitely a lead-in. Yeah. To oh, death metal. let's not forget. Um, let's also not forget literally everything else that's happened when it comes to villains. So all of the Batman Who Laughs stuff, all of Hella Risen, all of um, the Leviathan. No, not the Leviathan stuff. Just all all the stuff with Lex Luthor. All those like yeah. infected things. That's all lead up to death metal. Also, I would even say flash forward. Oh, also every single crisis because they're, <laughs> they're they're all they're all in here, uh, and all of the like agents in those stories are in here. The Monitor, Anti Monitor, the World Forger, all that shit. Yeah. Literally, the entirety of the DC universe <laughs> is a lead up to Dark Knight's death metal, which I think is cool. Uh, I don't, I'd be curious if you're out there and you're just starting death metal and you, you haven't read a single thing, uh, up until this point, I'm curious to see if this is the thing that you, have. <laughs> yeah, no, no way. Um, if this is something that, uh, you are interested in or can catch up on. Cause it does do quite a bit of catching you up. Yeah. There's, um, there's what, like two different, uh, so first of all, there's a lot of prose splash pages in here, but they're not like aggressive. So what, what they yeah. did um, what Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo did was they have a couple of like um, beats in the story, like literal, like artistic flat pages with like some sort of like in the background art and text. So like you're, you're either talking, you're either hearing a little story or a little piece of, of, uh, of history. And it's, it's just kind of set up in chapters. I think there's one called dead beats and there's one called um, something about her chainsaw or like a weapon, mm -hmm. like, the, the story itself is really is segmented in a way that I thought might be annoying, but it actually kind of worked because this is a very everything in the kitchen sink kind of thing. So if you miss one word bubble of dialogue, you could potentially not know where something happened. So they actually this time around, they built in these pauses like a scene, a pause, a scene, a pause. Like I actually it worked a lot better than the original series, which was just go i agree yeah uh to answer your question i thought this was a lot of fun uh there is some stuff in here that happens that i went oh that's that's pretty pretty cool i'm really stoked about that um there is some dumb stuff uh it's big it's bombastic it's crazy it's very in your face um but oh and the, yeah, the sergeant rock shows up Ooh, you got the sketch cover i do i've got the sketch cover that you can't sketch on yeah that's how metal it is you can't it's even no metal. sketch on it. Um, so, yeah, basically, we do have this strange um, bookend of Sergeant Rock being real weird. Uh, how did you feel about that? Um, it came around for me at the end uh, because I, I presume he's talking to someone that is freshly minted into Batman's little insurgent army. Mm -hmm. We just don't know who that is yet. Um, if, if it even matters who that is yet, like he could be talking to a bunch of corpses for all mm -hmm. I know, or he could be talking to the wall or a bunch of mannequins like, cause he's in this insane, but 
that was like that was the least of the things that kind of confused me in an exciting way in this book. Yeah. Like we're not even talking about the everything matters kind of um story point of this. Like literally. Well, I mean, everything that's matters. literally the name of the issue, Death Metal and Anti-Crisis Part 1, It All Matters. <laughs> Anti-Crisis. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like Swamp Thing in here. He's looking all haggard. Uh hey, who's this guy? We we see this guy quite a bit and I wasn't I know he's an evil Batman. But he's he's in this like gown, this robe. Who is this? Oh, he's called the Bat Mage. Oh, okay. I, I don't. I so these evil Batman. Some of them are like direct, um, kind of one for ones. One for ones. Some of them are just like newish, or or a made up character. Like if Batman found magic. Yeah, it's like oh, what if Batman was the demon? Yeah, there's also a dark seed bat or dark side Batman. There's also a. There's a, a Batman Beyond. There's a evil Terry McGinnis in there. There's a B-Rex, which is um, Batman, uh, the, the evil version of if Batman was dying and he put his consciousness in the robot bat, uh, robot T-Rex in his cave. So it's What's literally it? a Batman T-Rex. This book is fucking weird. I like this, I like this guy. I'm here for it. I oh, yeah, know, like the Cthulhu Batman. The I, don't, Cthulhu I don't know. Batthulhu? Get out of here. Come on. Um, I don't know. And I feel like Scott Snyder's having a lot of fun with this. And mm -hmm. it does, you know, for an event, it feels big. It feels crazy. Um, it feels worthy of an event. This is, this is um, uh, like a 12-year-old had a sandbox with all the toys mm -hmm. and just documented it. Yeah. It, this is dumb. Yeah. But um, I, I think it's a bucket of fun. I don't know. I, I really, I was telling you about this, like, right after we read it. I, I really, really like the general conceit. Like the idea that the DC universe was there's two different types of of energy, you know, like for good and for evil, justice, doom, uh, matter, antimatter. I love the idea that when our universe was created, it was erroneously created with chaos energy, with crisis energy. That's why it keeps breaking and keeps um coalescing and then breaking off again like it's that's why it's in this crazy cycle mm -hmm. and to keep it from yeah like the, the the idea that to to keep um to bring the world back you have to almost like swerve into the chaos which is what this whole thing is it, it was really cool it's, it's yeah. like a, a really cool kind of theory when they started when i'm sorry when he started detailing there's another thing that you don't know about the dc universe that explains all of that's why there's all these crises. I was like, oh, another thing where we're just being told this is just a thing you never knew. Enjoy. Yeah. And it gets a little tiresome after a while, but the fact that it explains why we keep getting all these earth shattering crises, I was like, all right, good. It's all made out of chaos magic. It's made from, you know, yeah, uh, and it, perpetual it, made it from chaos, right? Yeah, and it, it does it in a way that's that's legitimately different. Like usually when these like weird retcons happen, it's just like a, that was really the father of or it was mm -hmm. like it's it's these very almost grounded pedestrian ways of creating like you didn't see that character in the corner from the origin like whatever. Oh. But this is actually like kind of a a really weird pivot, and I, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's some really cool fun moments in here that we're gonna spoil. Uh, so if you haven't read it yet. Beware. Um, my favorite, I think, oh, it's hard. It's hard. I got, I got stoked when Batman busted out the black lantern ring. Yeah. That was awesome. Did not see that. It, was so, it was so rad. And do, 
what's your favorite? I'm trying to see if your favorite's the same as mine. Uh, so I don't like the Batman who laughs, mm. and I don't, I don't think so. He's the the main protagonist. He's you know perpetual agent antagonist. Sorry, he's perpetual agent of chaos. So he's yeah. he's like the leader. Um, Wonder Woman does a thing that's really cool, and she executes that cool thing all over his body. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what? leave it at that. I don't know if it's gonna stick. But it was such a good beat, and it was so, um, I guess you could say, it was really metal to do that to a main antagonist at the end of the first issue. It's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was really excited about that, because I, too, am tired of the Batman who laughs and uh, him showing up everywhere. And It's been two years of him, man. Yeah, just over and over and over again. You know, it's the same sort of thing I felt about Jeff Johns. When Jeff Johns created the... Um, the Green Lantern, the spectrum of emotion. I was like, this is one of the coolest retcons I've ever seen. And then, but it's it. They overdid it. I thought you were gonna say when when Jeff Johns created Superboy Prime, because he um, was he was a bad guy in literally everything for like two years. I I saw. Um, I was actually rereading um, some old Legion stuff. So I read uh, Crisis on Three Worlds, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I completely forgot that fucking. Superboy Prime is the bad guy in the future for this. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I forgot that too. Yeah. Um, let's see. Christopher says, uh, my problem with metal is that they tried to cram three stories into one. Yep. It's true. It's true. And Hal2814 says, morning, guys. I said I wasn't going to read it, but I did. And yeah, just like Snyder and Capullo, lots of what the fuck scenes, but they never end well, but I'll stick with it. It's fun. I agree with that. Like, um, for me, they have never ended well t- also, but arguably it's because they kept just keying every single ending of these big endeavors with those two. They just keep mm-hmm. keying up something else. Mm-hmm. So the end of their Batman run was just setting up metal. The end of metal was just setting up Justice League and the end of Justice League has just been setting up death metal. I really, really want this to have an ending, which is yes. we kind of talked about that. Yes. I want closure more than yeah. anything else. I'm like, ready to put this to bed for sure. Yeah, uh, but it's super fun. And that's here's the thing, though. I was about to say, pick it up, check it out. I don't know if you should if you haven't read Death, Death or Dark Knight's Metal. Um, West Knees. Go ahead. You know what? Actually, I will disagree. I actually think that you could just pick this up because yeah. it is so effing weird and it is so impenetrable, even for those of us that have been following it for a while. One read and a Wikipedia page would probably catch you up to speed because it's all just so non sequitur. Okay. Just, just go for it. Like, why are there so many weird Batman? It's a quick look up. Yeah. And honestly, too, even if you didn't, you're just like evil, 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 evil. Oh, that's the real one. It's enough. Yeah. Like, okay. Fair enough. Oh, I also one thing I, I did not expect, but I enjoyed was Wally showed up. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, will are we ever gonna get that? Um, apparently, incredibly important free comic book day of Wally West. Well, it seems like they're still going to do the free comic book day stuff, but it's going to be free comic book month or something. It's going to be stretched out over a whole month. Yeah. And I looked at it like the release schedule and stuff and no DC stuff was mentioned because they're doing their own thing or they're, they're, they're playing to the, you know, they're, they're marching to their own drummer. So I don't know if they're going to also do something or just be like, I have no idea, man. Action figure expert says, hello, 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 Mr. JD. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I read all the Dark Knights metal and did check this out, says Christopher St. Saucy. 
but okay. And then? Yeah. And then? I had coffee. Did you like it? What is... Um, so, yeah, this was great. I really enjoyed this. Um, and, yeah, I, I do have a nostalgia when I see pages like this. Yeah. Because I've read all of these events over the past however many friggin' decades. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see a little a little piece of the splash page be zero hour. Or a little, yeah, like literally all of the crises. And didn't they, haven't they gone back and just kind of zero hours pretty much called crisis in time? Is it? Right? Oh, I, I think, didn't know that. I think the omnibus actually says like zero hour crisis in time. Like, oh, okay. I, I feel like there was an effort a couple of years ago to make that one of the crises. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, action figure expert. So death metal is DC's Spider-Verse? No, no. Spider-Verse is very simple. Spider-Verse is, is there's a family of vampires and they want to eat all the spiders. That's it. That's the plot of Spider-Verse and Spider-Geddon. Oh, Moreland has a family? Oh no, they're going to come eat all the spiders. That's it. This, I don't know. This there's like, like a, nine Spider-Verses together. Like a, I, but as soon as they start getting spider and spider, I agree with you, it's much simpler. But as soon as they start getting into like the web of life and the thing that looms it and all of this crazy shit and That's creating true. worlds and then jumping it back and forth. It gets a little complicated. A little. Just a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, oh, Chris and Saucy follows it up. I enjoyed it, but thought it was a little wordy slash verbose. He's not wrong. No, you're not wrong. But at no point was I bored or uninterested. I was, I was like, Oh, next, next, next. So um, all right, let's move. So, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Thank you for bringing that up. In the descriptor here uh, for when we're live streaming, I said that there is one book that's metal as fuck, and another one is basically new metal. So <laughs> I read Dark Knight's Metal, or Death Metal, and I was like, oh, that was fun. That was metal. That was crazy. And then I read Wonder Woman Dead Earth number three, and that is by Daniel Warren Johnson. And Diamond has this to say, the revelation of the Hadra's true nature overwhelms even the mighty Amazon princess, forcing Diana to seek out the one person who can help her, Superman. But what Diana finds at the Fortress of Solitude is one of the most shocking secrets in the history of Wonder Woman. And holy shit, um, that book is metal. That seems like, Wonder Woman is metal. And by comparison, while I enjoy death metal, death metal is now Nickelback compared <laughs> to Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. I think it's more of like a stained. Sure. Uh, who that is. Sure. Or, or like a like a really hard Linkin Park. Linkin Park, sure. Yeah. With Mark Shinoda doing raps. Yeah. Yeah. So there's good. there's like there's some musicianship, but it's still mm -hmm. kind of like that's cute. Yeah. It's not metal, but it's cute. Yeah. Nickelback is just bad. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, Christopher St. Saucy's tapping out because he hasn't read it yet. Good, because there's some shit in this book. We're going to spoil it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, uh, one and two were great. This is by the creator of... Oh, oh so gross. This is by the creator of M Murder Falcon, which is a really fun... Speaking of metal, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's huge into, you know, into that musical genre. And... Uh, that book has deals with metal and the power of metal to, I took a picture of that 
I took a picture of that that panel where Slap. we're slapping them. Um, but yeah, the way this book shakes out is just so big, so crazy, and so dark that yeah. I was amazed. Uh, Tim Hershey says, seems I have to relook at De Dead Earth. Yeah, you do. If you haven't read number three, man, this is where all the stuff goes down. So basically what has happened is this is a black label book that details the far, far, far future where Wonder Woman has been asleep in a coma for many, many years, centuries even, centuries. And she wakes up to a world that has been destroyed. Uh, it was overtaken by the Great Fire whatever that is. It's been so long that people don't even know what happened to the earth or to the people. And Wonder Woman herself has amnesia, does not remember how they got there, how she got there, why her powers are diminished, um, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, there's also the, the, those that are our left, the, the world that is still around is, is being like threatened by these, these hydras, these large crazy creatures that roam like most of the land. So like all of humanity are just small pockets of like villages, like the walking dead, like yeah. unaware, go out, to, go out to get supplies. But other than that, everyone's in danger at all times. Yeah. Uh, for instance, there's one. <laughs> yeah. They're big, nasty, like really well-designed um, beasties. I, I know this is called spoiler alert, but I, Sure. I guess we'll have to. I guess we'll have to spoil it. No, we don't have to. So in this issue, you find... So in the last issue, we found out that the Hydras are actually um, Amazonians. Yes. That, that have been mutated. Yes. That was the last issue. This issue, you find out how they got there, um, humanity's role in it, what the Great Fire is, and Diana's part in it. So here you find out that Diana is a very big part of the world ending. And the guilt that she feels for that, the because she didn't know. She woke up hundreds of years later in a chamber uh, that Batman set up, which is kind of cool. Like Batman is being set up as like the, um, you know, he had he has a plan for everything. Mm -hmm. He uh, he, I guess, trapped her, saved her, put her in freeze while the world was burning, knowing that someday she'll come to her senses or someday she'll, she'll come back and save us all. And then also set up the, uh, the androids in um, the, fortress. the fortress of solitude to like, you know, if you ever showed up, they were to activate like Batman has been like old man. Batman has kind of like yeah. been setting all these things up, like with fingers crossed, which I thought was kind of cool in the background. But yeah, no, I don't want to talk about what actually happens in this. Right. It's pretty dope. Like I, I did share a couple of, of like you, you could see this without, knowing exactly what's going on and just know that it's metal as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so good. It's so fun. It's so crazy. And it, I tell you, man, this is a, a black label book. It feels like a black label book. The stuff that is revealed and. It made me uncomfortable. Yeah. It made me really uncomfortable because um, it, uh, it challenged my enjoyment of the characters yes. as in, they wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. And then in the story, you're just like, I mean, it's pretty good. And they, they did it. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's a, uh, it's pretty, um, it's challenging. Yeah. Not in a, a feel things kind of way, just in like a, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. It's not oh. at some, at any point I was like, no, or anything. I didn't get like emotionally. It was more just like, Oh shit. There was a lot of, Oh shits. 
Yeah, I feel like if you're a dyed in the wool, um, you know, hashtag not my Wonder Woman kind of person, you might feel a way about. I think you'll bristle at it. Yeah. Yeah, about what some of the choices that she makes. Yeah. But, but in the context of this story, it's great. Yeah. And I, I like how it deals with, you know, the Wonder Woman has basically love, right? She's the, the character of love. Superman is hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what Batman is. Just Justice? Isn't justice? it justice? Yeah, justice, love, and hope. And uh, you feel that through the first part of the series. She's very much about love. And I love, you know, my fellow man, quote unquote, and everything. And the stuff that goes down in this issue, oof, everyone's yeah. got their breaking. I had, I had forgotten about it, but I think in issue one or I think in issue one, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson actually sets up a not normal Wonder Woman thing where she is just raw energy. She's raw power. Mm-hmm. And the gauntlets that she has are actual dampeners. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. I was telling Sushan about this because I read this in the car on the way to an event yesterday. And um, I had to, as soon as I put it down, explain death metal to her so that oh. I could then <laughs> explain how much more metal this book was than the book called Metal. And also, you know, she really liked uh, Murder Falcon because we did it for book club. She really enjoyed that. So um, I had to tell her about all these things. And uh, I, at, the, at that point, I was explaining the bracers, right? Her gauntlets. Mm-hmm. Is that new? I thought that this this was something that Daniel Warren Johnson was referring to that was always a part of her thing, but that sort of got lost along the way. I bet I, Tim Hershey could tell us. I I took it as new because in in curtain continuity, and by curtain continuity, I mean the last 25 years, they are not they're not restraints. They what are thing. Yeah. It got lost along the way, but it was maybe an original thing. Cause I do remember, you know, uh, her creators were into bondage and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I thought I remember something about, you know, women, they're almost like cuffs, handcuffs mm-hmm. to show that, you know, women are, uh, uh, for a long time were subservient to man and all that stuff. It was supposed to, um, acknowledge that, but maybe, maybe I'm just remembering the first issue of this book, which feels like a long time ago. <laughs> but, Our Wonder Woman gauntlets power. Googling it. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, if you haven't read Wonder Woman Dead Earth, I believe it's only four issues. Uh, we're nearing the end here. Um, oh, Tim Hershey's chiming in. Uh, I am not aware that the bracers held her no. back. They were symbols, but also actual weapons. Yeah, bracelets were magically made to be indestructible Aphrodite. Bracelets were useful as magically indestructible gauntlets. They could be used to deflect bullets, energy weapons, and murderous weapons in man's world. Yeah, no, they've always been weapons in this. They are they're weapons, but they're also it's what keeps her from overpowering. You know, she's yeah. the she's the daughter of a god who is in a mortal vessel. So or in a a person a person box. Yeah, so yeah. I, so the 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 bracelets were supposed to just like keep her in check. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. I, I knew I knew you would have the answer. Um, so guys, check out both of these books. Uh, this was a really good week for books. I, I had a lot of grins. I was like grinning ear to ear a lot reading some of these books. Next up is the Flash Annual Number Three by Joshua Williamson with art by Steven Segovia, Brandon Peterson, and Carlo Pagulian. 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 From the pages of Suicide Squad, Task Force X and Captain Boomerang are on the loose, and the Flash is in hot pursuit. But is he really the hunter or the hunted? Barry Allen may be the Scarlet Speedster, but at the end of this crossover issue, will he still be the fastest man alive? Question mark. Probably. 
He was. Right? Oh, yeah, no, he's still he's still around. He yeah. didn't die. But is he still the fastest man alive? Uh, Probably. Yeah. I mean, are we, are we counting Wally? Isn't Wally faster? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's Dr. Manhattan at this point, so yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, a little bit of backstory is that go read Suicide Squad, y'all. Yeah. Tom Taylor is writing the shit out of that book, and it's a bucket of fun. And this is a crossover issue. Uh, it's a nice little one and done. So even if you're not up to date on The Flash and what's going on, uh, I feel like you can just come into this and enjoy it. They do a good job of explaining what's going on in um, Suicide Squad. And just, you know, Wally sh or Barry shows up and he's Barry. That's pretty much all you need to know about that. Um, but this is a tale that is from the point of view of Captain Boomerang, who um, has joined the team again, Suicide Squad. Yeah, when you, when you say you could just jump in and read this, yeah, you can. Uh, but there's like four different little indicias. Like uh, this happened after four of Suicide Squad. Oh, uh, this happened before five. Yeah. And this one is continued in six. Like there's a lot of like little weird threads. They're not like really hard to follow, but yeah, he was, his freedom was earned and then he showed up in issue four and now he's been a part of the team. Yeah. Team. I do want to say, I want those little boxes back. I love those little boxes. Go see this issue for this. Go see this issue for that. Did they go away? I feel like DC's had them for, or they've been showing up a little bit more lately. I want to say around the time of like the year 2000, when they started getting rid of the uh, thought bubbles, mm -hmm. they also start, started getting rid of the see this issue for blah, blah, blah. Well, it wasn't until um, I think DC in general doesn't do recap pages, but Bendis does. Mm -hmm. So he's just doing them because he doesn't give a mm -hmm. shit. Um, what did you think of this issue? It was fine. It was fine. It was just fine. Like, um, I'm really loving the Suicide Squad book, but they, they're just written better over there. Yeah. Um, here, they're just fodder in a way. Um, and I don't enjoy The Flash. I don't enjoy Josh Joshua Williams' The Flash. I, we've dipped into it so many times, and so many times it's just like, it's fine. Yeah. Whereas, and I thought it was maybe just me with the writer, but I kind of really enjoy the cool stuff he's doing with Superman Bat or Batman Superman. Oh, that's right. That's the same guy. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's just how he writes Barry, or maybe it's Barry. Maybe I don't know. Barry sucks. But but I really liked you know Barry with Jeff Johns for two years before Flashpoint. I really really enjoyed that that Did little it? run with Francis Manipal. Yeah, it was just twelve issues that just led up to Flashpoint. It was great. It was fine. I mean, it was, it was pretty great. Well, they, you know, I believe that was a time where they had given him that new ability where he could think. No? No. So I'm not talking about Francis Manipal and Brian Bucoletto. That's New 52. That's the think one where he can think oh. out. Yeah. The, the Jeff Johns and Francis Manipal is right after Blackest Night. And it's literally a 12-issue run that goes into Flashpoint. Give me a storyline. Give me something. What happened? It's it's the first storyline he had when he came back. So like oh, the very it's when yeah um, he came back in Rebirth and then all of a sudden Blackest Night happened, and this is his first. Do you remember back. any plot from many of them? You don't have to get it. It was, a, it was a reintroduction. It was a reintroduction of the of the rogues, or it was a reintroduction of the rogues to Barrys because yeah. they had worked almost exclusively against Wally, most of them. Yeah. So it was like the old head rogues 
introducing the idea like, no, 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 this is not the same flash. This, yeah. this one isn't playful. This one doesn't give you uh, passes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was that whole kind of thing. And uh, Manipole had been doing a lot of like almost every single issue was like, you know, some weird new speed thing. And then uh, the, the, the titles were always a part of the art. It was it was like the beginning of that kind of like thing with Flash, and I, honestly, that little run gate got them the job to just keep going yeah. for the new Fifty Two stuff. But yeah, it was an awesome little twelve issues. That's the last time I really enjoyed the Flash. Yeah, for me, it was probably Rebirth. I was so I, excited for where Rebirth ended up, and then we never got it. We never got what the end of that book promised. Are you? Oh, you're talking about um, Jeff Johns' Rebirth, just the Rebirth one shot. Or no, I'm rebirth talking about what? Flash Rebirth. What? Who's who's that by? What is like Rebirth? Oh, I'm sorry, is that was, four that was, times. Wasn't that Jeff Johns and Van Skyver? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh that the re, like the actual. That's how long ago. Rebirth. Yeah. Now that's you know I did enjoy some of the New Fifty Two stuff because I really appreciated some of the tinkering that Francis Manipal was doing with the Flash abilities. I like yeah. the fact that he was thinking so fast that he would get caught up in his own mind and he wound up getting shot because he overthought how to dodge the bullet. Uh, stuff like that I think is really cool. And I remember there was one particular instance where he's running off a roof and he runs across the blades of a helicopter. Yeah, you know, or a plank that was standing still. Stuff, cool stuff like that. But like Barry Allen needs to die. I don't care about that character. He's just the worst. He's so boring. He's so milk toast. There's nothing interesting about him. Anything that's interesting about him has been added to the character to make him more like Wally West. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I really liked him as a as a mentor a lot. He was great when he was dead, and he would show up, and Wally would be like, "What do I do?" I'm not gonna go that far. As he's, I'm not gonna go as far as he was great when he was a corpse. I just think that he's better as a mentor character. Yeah. Um, so anyway, well, but this was cute. Um, so the, the thing we have here is you've got Professor Boomerang, Captain Boomerang. Um, he's a, he's doctor. He's got a doctorate. Yeah. In boomeranging. He teaches yeah. uh, boomerang at the local college. <laughs> and, um, uh, he's the one telling the story here. So there's a whole bunch of like bullshit that he's spouting out. And then you think, oh, that's obviously bullshit. That never really happened. And then you find out at the end that the things that he was saying happened actually did kind of happen, but mm -hmm. it's stupid, still dumb. So for instance, he, you know, he's telling this story to two FBI agents. Um, he's recounting how they went up against Deathstroke and the flash and the flash was helping suicide squad against Deathstroke. And at some point Deathstroke beheads the flash, right? And he kills him. He, he chops off his head and you can see his head is separated from his body. And at that point, you know, the people who are hearing the story go, that's bullshit. That never happened. But then at the end, it's revealed to the reader, oh, that um, the Flash made it look like he was beheaded by Deathstroke by vibrating through the sword, which is not what separates a person's head from their body. So at no point would Deathstroke think that he killed the Flash. The Flash also, is yeah, too Deathstroke fast. Yeah, Deathstroke wouldn't fall like for that. Yeah, Deathstroke is way smarter than that. It, it's all it. Yeah. So what it, what they attempted to do is do like a almost a fun, uh, or or yeah, like a comedy, um, unreliable narrator kind of thing because Boomerang's an idiot. Uh But it, his version of the story wasn't 
separated or delineated any kind of way visually or otherwise to what actually happened. So it just, it was just like a long read. I actually, I actually put this down and then picked it back up. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I was reading it, it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't aggressively boring, but it wasn't super engaging. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. Like it this was just a fine. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you absolutely love these characters and you're following absolutely everything that they do, pick this up. But if this as an entry point or like, you know, lights a fire for you to start following either one of these series. All right. <laughs> I think if you're a big Captain Boomerang fan, I know there's Boomerang. <laughs> the Boomerettes everywhere yeah. and the, yeah. So uh, moving on to Thunder Round. Uh, Thunder Round is a 60 second review of a book. Um, oh, shoot. Do I have a timer? I mean, if you don't. I do. I do have a timer. Bam, everything everything sucks and we're done. Okay. All right, I'm going to put one minute on the timer. So you're up first with A Man Among Ye, number one, by Stephanie Phillips. I dropped the timer. And Craig Cermak. 60 seconds, go. Um, this is a book about female pirates. Or, uh, you know, more appropriately, a female pirate. Um who I forget her name already. Either way, it's a very, it's a very basic premise of um, a husband and wife kind of pirate team. She's on the, 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 the ship and she's just as ruthless as everyone else, but obviously the crew hates her because she's a lady. Um, things transpire. They set up a villain. Uh, these are not likable characters in any kind of way. They're, they're pretty crude and terrible. Well, they're, they're very deadly. Yeah. Either way they're, they're antiheroes. Um, it's just a cool setup, uh, and it's fine. However, the back matter, actually, the writer explains where she came up with the story and the historical kind of context and implications that this person actually did exist. That two pages, uh, to, to talking about where she wants to take the book and where, where the impetus of it was, was more engaging than the actual issue. End of round. Shut up. Oh, no. I mean, but yeah, you too. I was going to say not you, the timer. But yeah, also shut up. Um, oh, my buddy Brittany Pazillo did the colors on this book. It's a beautiful book. Uh, like, the um, the art's really great. The colors are great. The the staging and the blocking, especially the acting and the faces, is really great. It's just, it's it's a cold open. It's it's a classic first issue. They have to do a lot of, they have to lay a lot of ground, groundwork. Either if they don't do it perfectly, then it's either way too much or barely anything to sink your teeth into and i think this falls somewhere in the middle um but not in a great way just in a fine way so like maybe it'll take an issue too but honestly though i don't give a shit about pirates that's exactly so, what i was about to say I, like pirates it's not my jam it is not a genre that i give any kind of shits about <clears throat> yeah. so usually any kind of enjoyment usually has to do with the the creators or they're doing something new so, so far, they're doing something new-ish. So maybe it'll be really great. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, all right, I'm up with a... Oh, do you, want, do you have a timer or should I just time myself? I can make this timer happen. Hold on. All right. I don't trust you to time yourself. Doop, doop, doodly. So what I'm going to do is Detective Comics number 475, which is a facsimile edition. For anybody who does not know, no, 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 I'm giving this set up. Hold on. Um, facsimile editions are 
reprints of single issues that both Marvel and DC have been putting out. And not only are they the stories, but they're also the ads, which is really what tickles me about the facsimiles. I love that they reprint the ads. The whole book, top to bottom, is a reprint. Um, and this is by Steve Englehart with art by Marshall Rogers and inks by Terry Austin. Go. Go. All right. So this was awesome. This was basically, I don't know if you guys ever read it, but uh, number 475 was about the Joker fish. So uh, the Joker's plan is to um, uh, put Joker fish or Joker smiles on all of the fish and then copyright the Joker fish to registered trademark of the Joker. So um, that's how he's going to make money. All the fish in the world are going to be Joker fish and he's going to get a, a piece of every Joker fish that's sold. And then of course the guy, the trademark guy's like, that's, you can't, you can't do that. And he's like, I'm the fucking Joker. Shut up. I'll murder you. Make this work. And the, the book is really good. He's in a relationship with Silver St. Cloud. And apparently in the issue before, she's about to reveal to him that she knows he's Bruce Wayne. So then he shows up to be like, what were you going to say? I hope she doesn't know I'm Bruce Wayne. And she's like, uh, you know what? Never mind. It's fine. We'll figure this out later. Um, so there's this will they, won't they kind of thing. And End of round. Oh, fuck. There's so much more to say. Listen, Detective Comics number 475. It's it's the same price as a regular issue. It's $3.99. It is shocking how great that book was. I forgot how great that those old Batman books were. Definitely pick it up, please. Um, and I miss I miss that relationship. I didn't know much about it, but even just this one issue, I want more Silver St. Cloud. I don't know whatever happened to her. I don't know if she died or what, but um, she was great. Didn't Grant Morrison do something with her? I don't know. Oh, wait, no. He he created a different character, Jet something. Yeah. No, that wasn't yeah. her. Yeah. But yeah, this was great, man. And the Joker was fun. Oh, the art was so good. Damn it. I, I don't know if Len's going to watch this, but I think that's favorite. That's Len's favorite Batman artist is um, uh, Marshall Rogers. Marshall Mathers. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. One more Thunder Round. And this is for Noel. He's going to be talking about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Heroes in a Half Shell number five by <laughs> Ryan Parrott, Simone Domingo. Go. Um, this book is stupid, but stupid in like the best way possible. Um, it is literally five issues of a television crossover that I would have loved when I was eight. It's great. Um, what happens in this book is everything that you would expect to happen uh, during a crossover on a television cartoon. So the Rangers don't get their, like, they lose their coins, but then the Turtles become Power Rangers uh, and they play with the Zords. But then the Rangers are like, we need to get up in this fight um, against a embiggened Bebop, Rocksteady, and Shredder. Uh, so they take Metalhead or Shellhead or whatever the hell that monitor is. They make it big. They, they pilot it. But then the Shellhead and the Zord combined like they do in the cartoons for no reason or the TV shows for no reason and become like a megamorphin turtle Zord. And it all transpires at the end to all the bad guys getting away and everyone eating pizza together. End of round! And they're all like, so we meet again. The art's um, awesome too. This is so silly. Listen, I, okay, first of all, you got a cover by Dan Mora. Second of all, I don't know who this gentleman is. Uh, 
Simone DeMeo. Yeah. But holy shit, how is this this person not it's, having uh like a big Marvel or DC series to work on? This artwork is awesome. Yeah, it's it's almost anime inspired, but not only in the way that he does like motion. Um, and it's so colorful and fun. Like I did not expect to be enjoying this book, but it's so fun. I don't I yeah. don't give a shit about the Power Rangers. I've never watched an episode in my life. I want to read this book. It's fun. It's super fun. Turtle um, Megazord. It's but I I will say yeah, I know the Turtle Megazord. It's so stupid. It's amazing. I love it. I I will say though that compared to both the current um ongoing Turtles and the current ongoing Power Rangers, this is not good. Like those are great books. Uh that are super fun, but this is just super fun. Yeah, the the Power Rangers book is I'm I'm on like year three and it's like really cool. Damn it! Really fun action. Yeah. I wish I liked the Power Rangers. It's ten times better than the show ever was. So like the show came out, I think I was in like third grade, so I was like not too old, but almost there. So I think like me and my friends enjoyed like a season of it. Yeah. Um. So I haven't, I have no love for any of these characters, but just reading that book is just like, cause everyone was talking about it online. Everybody's oh. been talking about the Power Rangers book and how like on Boob Studios and how amazing it is. Well, boom. So I gave it a shot and it's just a really, it's, it's very, it's like a PG version of Invincible. It's very, these are actual teenagers that get all of these crazy powers and what do they yeah. do? Like, it's really cool. Yeah. Maybe I will try it out. Um, I am going to try out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles IDW series because I've heard really good things about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I jumped on at like issue 92 and I was having a good time. Mm -hmm. so I had to go back. Silver, Silver St. Cloud showed up a couple times in the past 15 to 20 years. And yes... Marshall Rogers in is Lens Batman Jam. So thank you so much for in, in, indulging with us in those thunder rounds. Uh, next up, back to the regular reviews. We're going to talk about Strange Adventures number two, written by Tom King with art by Mitch Jarrods and Evan Doc Shaner. What is the truth about Adam Strange when an activist who publicly accused him of war crimes ends up dead? The public begins to doubt Strange's stories about his adventures on the planet Ran, and he's even starting to doubt himself. It's going to take a special investigator to get to the truth, and he's going to have to tear apart Adam Strange's life and reputation to do it. Uh, tell the people what you thought of this book, Noel. I loved this. Yeah. I straight up loved this. Yes. There, um the framing device of the entire issue. So at the end of the last issue, all of that in the description happened with the dead body and the implications. Um, Batman is approached to investigate it and he feels he is too close. So they, they insert um, Mr. Terrific uh, to potentially take on the case. This entire issue is Mr. Terrific deciding if he wants to take the case. And it is so engrossing. I loved it. And some of the, the, uh, the, um, uh, observations he makes, um, the way that he lives his life yeah. is great. And then the the realization towards the very end that um, he he compares himself to um, this version of uh, Adam Strange, the accolades he gets, the the treated like a hero, the all this stuff, and him as a black man, all the the things that he's accomplished, mm -hmm. and 
no matter what I do, whether it's finding the truth unequivocally and blah, 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 a good chunk of the world is going to see me just as tearing down their hero. And it was just like, oh, like that is a consideration as to if he wants to take the case or not. Like that yeah. was the last kind of hurdle for him. And then he just has this wild realization that like your daughter didn't die. Why are you talking about her like she's dead? Mm-hmm. If you lied about that, he lied about other things. Batman, I hope you're ready because I'm about to, I'm a potentially going to destroy your friend. Yeah. And, and it just ends. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah. However, for my daughter, whom I lost in the war, doesn't say she dies. But they act like, like in the whole last issue, they act like she's gone. Um, he makes, it's like a, it's like something that they don't explain. Uh, yeah. The whole last issue, they act like she's gone. Um, and then also uh, the uh, the stuff with um, terrific wife and unborn Oof. child. Oof. So that's you know that's also a thing too. Like uh, the whole the whole issue, he has the T square the T spheres ask him random questions, and he has the answers for all of them because he's this one of the smartest men in the world. And then at the very end, there's a really great beat about tell me what tell me the the question I don't know the, that I don't have an answer to. Yeah. And it's like a rallying cry, a really twisted but effective rallying cry for him. This, I love, I love, this is good Tom King. Yeah. This is yeah. great Tom King. Now, I think what is going to put it over the top for me when this is all said and done is if these things that Mr. Terrific is being quizzed on by his T-spheres, I want them to connect thematically into what's going on here. Over like all of them, Matt. Like in what way? Because well, I think for instance, there's a whole thing where it's a two-page answer that is given about uh, the T Sphere asks, "What is the story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight?" Oh well, yeah, I think that will. I think that will. Ma- stuff like that will matter, but right. some of the, the math stuff and the the no, no, what no. what's the author of kind of shit. I don't think no, that will no. matter. I'm, I'm specifically this, I guess. Okay. Um, you know, because I one of my problems with. Um, a uh, crisis. Uh, Heroes in crisis. Heroes in crisis was there were all of these meandering things that were going on, and 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 uh, monologues that were going on top of things that were happening in the book, and an entire thing with uh, the caveman character. That was that was the most egregious one. Uh, none of it ever seemed to wrap up or tie in. Yeah, and it was, was just yeah he was just writing to write and it didn't really all feel connected. So this is much, much better than that. I'm not comparing (laughs) the two, but I am saying that like, Oh, it'd be nice if these little things actually wind up meaning something in the long run, because those are the things when I'm reading a book that make me go, Oh, this is next level shit. He's actually thinking ahead and writing things back here that tie in later. uh, And they make everything feel cohesive. Uh, And that those are the books that really, benefit from a rereading you know what i mean i'm hoping that this will be one of those also i think it it should it shouldn't go unsaid that this is how to me this is how you write an issue of an ongoing because this felt like its own separate meal that's large that's part of a larger piece this didn't feel this didn't feel disjointed from a larger story and and like this was this was legitimately a um satisfying chapter in a larger thing yeah. This is an issue of a series, not just another 25 pages of this longer thing. Yeah. 
this is great. Just yeah, really great. Good. Highly recommend it. And it's, yeah. you can still jump on, guys. Everyone get on this. Um, let's see. Hide, edit, boop, bam. Boop. On to Superman number 22. Uh, by Brian Michael Bendis and Kevin McGuire, the battle for the United Planets hits a fever pitch as the galactic conqueror Mongol beats some of the rulers of the galaxy to death and then heads for Earth. The only thing standing in his way? Superman. Meanwhile, back on Earth, the truth that Clark Kent is Superman continues to spiral out all over the world. And now, the Daily Planet's competition is gunning for his wife, Lois Lane. This was cute. This was fine. I wasn't blown away by this issue. I thought it was um, just fine. Uh, I, I, for the most part, have been really enjoying Brian Michael Bendis's tenure on uh, the the DC Universe. All, all of the DC Universe stuff that he's been putting out, I've been really enjoying. And this was fine. It felt like a middle a middle issue in between bigger things. What did you think? I loved it. Tell me more. I loved it. I loved I loved the art. I loved the the massiveness of this. So uh, to me, two very massive things happened in this issue. One, Kevin Maguire, who is best known for his acting and his humor and his facial expressions, had the opportunity to draw a large, multi-page, throwing planets at each other size fight. And it's beautiful. I loved every second of it. But juxtaposed on top of that is the FBI visiting Lois Lane um, in regards to the truth that's been revealed about Clark's identity and that he just so happened to uh, speak for the Earth as its as its uh, protector, as its yeah. voice, yeah. which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, considering he's not of Earth. Um, so that conversation was so great to me. The idea of, look, we know that he made that choice altruistically. We know that he is the person for the job, but we're going to pretend retroactively that he was allowed to. Mm -hmm. And both you and your husband can no longer make mistakes, yep. period. Your worlds are collided. Now every eye is on you for everything you ever do because you are arguably the most important people on the planet. Mm -hmm. Hope you enjoy it. Like it was a really, really, it was very, it was a very, it was a very welcome Bendis kind of thing to think about it in that direction. A lot of writers probably wouldn't come up with that kind of uh, pivot or that wrinkle. Hmm. And that's sure. just where his mind kind of goes. Like, what are the rippling implications of something? Not just your, you know, not just Aunt May feeling sad or, or being upset about finding out that Peter Parker is and then her wondering all the danger he puts is in. N no, I mean, like, what is, what are the legal implications? What yeah. are the... What, Social. What are the dry cleaning bills? What are the social, like, like they think about all of the little things that kind of turn into bigger things. Uh, I, it's that shit I love. And this was that issue. Like, and it was juxtaposed against a ridiculously aggressive uh, battle rendered by Kevin Maguire. And I loved it. I just straight up loved it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I find... While I love Maguire, I'm not enamored with the coloring. Um, that's, that's definitely an Ed McGinnis face you just showed there, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Although. <laughs> it's an Ed McGinnis face and a shaken hairy chest. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm so immature, but it's hard not to kind of giggle at this panel. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I don't know what's happening off screen there, Soups. 
But he's, um, he's, I mean, this is fine. I mean, it's another issue of Brian Michael Bendis' Superman, which I'm enjoying. I did not not enjoy this. It just didn't, you know, didn't wow me. You know, in a, in a week that came with Dark Knight's Death Metal and Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, this as a DC book, I was like, no, it's pretty good. Still pretty good. It's yeah. funny. This This was like... I enjoyed this and Young Justice probably a little bit more than than both of those. Well, maybe not Dead Earth. I think it tied with Dead Earth, but I actually I definitely enjoyed these two kind of like Bendis um, corner of the Superman family books more than than Death Metal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, Wind Number One, and that's W Y N D Number One, written by James Tinney and the Fourth. Uh, and art by Michael Dialanus. Dialanus? Sure. Magical heritage is punishable by death in Pipetown, so a young boy named Wind must keep his true identity and pointy ears a secret from everyone, even if it means he'll never have the normal life he wants. So this is just a straight-up allegory for being queer, just growing up gay and having to hide your identity from everyone else for fear of repercussions and death and beatings and everything else. Um, so not only is he uh, a magical being with pointy ears that he has to hide, but he all is also gay. So it's not, is, is that still an allegory? If it's one yeah, thing on top I, of the other? I don't know. I, it's uh, it's so in this, in this pipe town, um, they're very obsessed with, uh, pure blood or non-magical blood, right? Um, they allude to a bunch of wars or things and even even a bit of a Gestapo when it comes to like this bandaged man looking for, or like he is the, you know, the general of looking for unpure bloods or magical bloods. Um, um, he's the guy from... Uh, oh, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious yeah. Bastards, yeah. the Jew hunter, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah, 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 something like that. Um, yeah, so... So I, I don't know if it's ex it can be and probably is one of the metaphors is queerness. Yeah. But it's also and just any kind of persecution at all and any kind of, of uh, yeah, any kind of, of other fear, baseless or not. So like we don't know what the magical beings did or have done or what the war was, but all we know right now is that there's this young boy who has to hide his elf ears. Um, he is a conduit for magic in some ways, but he doesn't really know how to do it. And he's a cook. He's a who he's a busboy at a, at a at a restaurant that just covers his ears. He has these crazy nightmares where he turns into a beast and he doesn't really understand them. So it's 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 a coming of age. It's a it's a figuring out who you are, um, kind of thing. This was a really good cold open for maybe a a better YA story, um, which which makes sense too because I think the original. Um, the original plan for this book was to be uh, complete OGNs, complete yep. graphic novels. Yep. It doesn't feel incomplete. It just, it definitely is like a, this is going to take two issues to really kind of get in, get, get going because yeah. all it really is, is introducing a bunch of characters. So, so we know wind, we know his roommate or housemate or mother person. Um, his co-workers and we find out more than halfway through the book that he's got a crush on the gardener's boy who goes out running every day. So it's, it was like, I didn't know that this was a, a queer book, which is super great. Like it didn't even yeah. matter. 
but it was it was a really cool like revelation. And apparently too, um, I like I I copy and pasted those descript like the the previews descriptions for you. Mm-hmm. That's only the first paragraph. They give away a bunch of stuff in like the second and third paragraph. Oh, okay. Including like like it's a bunch of stuff about I know the cute little <gasps> that you gotta kill it. Oh. Including the cast of this book, who the cast of this book is eventually going to be, and that uh, you know, like Thorn, the boy that he's got a uh, crush on, that he's he's got only only got eyes for. And I'm like, this is this is shit that you shouldn't know yet. Like yeah. these were really great, like things that that transpired in the book that were nice surprises and sweet little turns. I think people should, if they're interested in this at all, they should go in relatively blind. Blind, yeah, for sure. No, this is really cute. Um, but yeah, I do kind of, I mean, I'm in the single issues, but yeah, this could have been a graphic novel and I'd still be into it. Yeah. I, the, um, so the art was, was really fun. It was really yeah. sweet. Um, it's got a, I, I don't know what to compare it to. It's got a little bit of an airbender kind of feel, but it's, it's also got a weird like adventure time kind of feel like yeah. the, yeah, it's it's a it's an amalgam of a lot of styles that are very popular. Um, it, it even feels a little bit like Rat Queens. Yeah, um, a little bit of Steven Universe. Yeah, uh, this this is fun, and and the the antagonist, this uh, this bandaged man, is a really cool design, and yeah. he's really creepy looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I really enjoyed I, it. Um, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm in. I'm definitely going to keep checking this out. And uh, yeah, it was a surprise to me. I didn't, you know, and that is something that I think is great. I think that this is a book that um, does it. It's not important that it is a queer book. It's it's not. It's at no point in any of the descriptors or any of the previews that have yeah. been coming out about this book says anything about that. Um, you can just pick it up and enjoy it and you go, oh, okay, he's into dudes. Great. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful little reveal in the book too. Cause yeah. his one coworker is just like, he always comes back from, from lunch all flush in the face. I think he's got a crush on somebody, but he won't yeah. say who. And yeah. then it cuts to him like spying on, yeah. on dude bro running. And it's just yeah. like, Oh, cute. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, of course we've ruined that surprise for anybody. By You're welcome. About it. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, also, I really love the world building and the color. The color is really lovely in here. It's hard to show you, but it's, it's nice. A very, it's, a very, it's a very competent and slick little book. Yeah. Um, and that is that the only non-DC book this month or this, this week? Uh, oh, well, there was um, Man Among You was Image. Oh, that's true. I forgot about but, that. Yeah, there was like – it was a mostly um, – DC week because uh, we're yeah. still we're still ramping into Marvel stuff right like this week was made basically like two digitals and a bunch of trades yeah next week will be issues because they they decided to stagger their return mm-hmm. right which is good Young Justice number fifteen we're gonna wrap it up by Brian Michael Bendis and David Walker with art by John Timms and Scott Gadlewski Young Justice versus Star Labs what happens when a universe reboots right under you. Connor is about to find out. The entire Young Justice team confronts the evil genius behind Star Labs and the truth about Connor Kent. This will bring Connor to the doorstep of his namesake, Clark Kent, to find out more about himself and the DC Universe. Guest starring Superman in a unique crossover with Action Comics. Wait, what? 
Yeah, so huh? I think that happened. So that happened last week. Oh. The action comics part happened last week. Oh, okay. Um, cause and I, I think I tried to get you guys to read it. Either way. Um it, I love Young Justice. I love this series. Uh-huh. I am, what issue is this? 15. 15. I am 10 issues behind. Um, so, uh, but I decided, you know, when, when we decided to talk about it, I was like, that, I, I'm just going to jump back in. and Because apparently, I think you had said, it explains what happened with yeah. Tom. And that, yeah. that's, that's, I'm right up my alley. I was really excited about that. So I went, all right, I'm going to skip ahead. I'll catch up eventually, but I really want to know what happened. Um, and this was awesome. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, this has been a, this is essentially the end of like a 15 issue story. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 crossover with action. So in this story, you kind of find out they went to Gem World and have been traversing the multiverse and and all kinds of shit. Um, and you find out he has been protected from all of the crisis reboots because he was stranded in Gem World, which wasn't affected by all the crisis reboots. So he comes back to this world that's doesn't remember him whatsoever. Like it's not his world yet. He is fully there. And that they, uh, Bendis kind of postulates that, um, when you introduce this foreign entity into current continuity, those that he had the most connections with will kind of start to remember him almost like a, like a, a, like a phantom memory or, or something like that. Well, so like, exactly what happened in rebirth with Wally West. Yeah. Wally West was forgotten by everybody until he like presented himself to them. Yeah. And that, they that were connection. like, oh, fuck what's up, buddy. I forgot you exist. And I'm but sorry. Some people did. Some people didn't. So like yeah. his own wife didn't recognize him. However, Wally did. So, or uh, Barry did. So it's kind of the same thing. So like in, in last week's action comics, um, he Clark did not remember him at all. Um, but he was super chill about it. And in hearing his story, like, who raised you? He was just like, well, your sir, your parents raised me. So he takes them to the farm and Ma and Pa immediately are like, Connor? And it's, it was wonderful. Like, it's this whole thing with um, certain connections uh, can't be broken. Yeah. Uh, which is essentially the whole explanation. And And then you've got Star Labs being there's like a contingent of star labs that are almost kind of like um, aim AIM where they're, yeah, where they're just like really shitty teetered on what the hell are you guys up to? Which is, if you think about it too, like in, in the entirety of, of Bendis's run, he's kind of setting up something because in that first arc of Superman, they accidentally uh, bring the entire earth to the negative zone. Right. So like star labs is, is kind of being built up, I think is this like thing in the shadows uh that he had been trusting for a while but this was this was like really cool and it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger too yeah because we're still unsure where the fuck bart came from yeah because bart is also one of those characters that had been erased by continuity changes yeah um however he is from the far future so did something out there interact with something here but also i think it in yeah in action comics you also get to see the two super boys meet nice. so jonathan meets um connor like these are cool books these are just no, really fun books just, just to clarify the this stuff that you're talking about happened in young justice not action the meeting happened in like the two superboys meeting happened in action everything else happened oh there. all right i guess i missed an issue of action i didn't realize yeah, it. like last week shit i think it was 15 or, oh yeah did i did we read that for the how did i miss this i read it 
Ah, well, fuck me. Um, oh, but I like this. So at the end, you were talking about uh, there's um, a revelation that Bart is like leaving something out because the whole issue happens and everything gets explained and Bart helps explain it to them. And everyone's like, we're going to be Young Justice now. Everyone gets a membership card. Here's Let's have a giant text chain. We're all going to be buddies. Yeah. Moving forward. Um, we are a part of the Justice League. We're Young Justice League. All the, and we're all going to split off. Hey, well, I'll see you tomorrow morning at the Hall of Justice. Great. See ya. Bye. Everyone leaves. And then Bart starts running away. And then uh, the last page is Superboy catching up with him being like, uh, listen, uh, what? There's some plot holes here. There's some holes in your story. So I, I just like that. You know, Super Superboy lets it all go. And then is like, so what are, what are you not telling me? Um, and that yeah. would be a nice little, nice little wrap up, right? Cause you think everything is copacetic and it's just a nice little like last page cliffhanger. It was, it was nice. I do um, really like to, I, I really, really liked how he, how, how the creative team, cause it's, it's not just Bendis. It's, it's David Walker also how they ended the issue. Like the whole, the last 10 pages almost are those awkward moments that the comics never show you like, mm -hmm. all right, well we won. So I do you have my number? Uh, yeah. Gonna... Are, you, are you? Do you want to like? It's literally five pages of cleanup. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, so are you going to call me or should I call you? Or yeah. I guess we could, like it's it's a very pedestrian situation mm -hmm. in the middle of this like multiversal weird shit, which I thought was really really funny and I liked it a lot. And then it ending the way it did was just really, I love this book. This book is fantastic. Um, I'll tell you what though. Even, I mean, I realized I jumped ten issues almost. And uh, we've got this woman who works for Star Labs, but boy, do I not care about her or any of th that stuff. All I cared about is the interactions between the heroes and the explanation as to uh, what happened during the last crisis to to mess everything up for these characters. Um, but I don't care about the villain of the story. She's just a lab coat yeah, for the most part. Exactly. Like she's she's a middle manager that's shit. So she's been in a handful of these issues. She was in a handful of of action comics issues that dealt with Naomi. So oh. she was supposed to be Naomi's kind of handler also. Oh, and okay. she, like she's been seated a good handful of places, at least as many times as the new fire chief in Metropolis. Like it's one of these new side characters that he's slowly building up. She made uh, no impression on me. I forgot all because I read those issues of action and I totally forgot because she was just a lab coat. Yeah. Yeah. She um when they all get back in Young Justice, when they all get back from the multiversal or the multiverse mistake or trip, um, Connor feels weird and he goes back to Star Labs to like, this doesn't really explain anything. And she immediately turns villain and oh. shoots him into weird world and stuff. And they got to go back in and get him. That's what this whole arc has been. Connor has been shot and stranded and all his friends come and save him. Cool. Oh, and yeah. I love that. That that realization that like, you guys came you came for him for me. This is just for me. Well, yeah. Well, because uh, like he had been stuck for years in the gem world in the multiverse, and no one came to get him. Yeah. No one remembered him because of all the reboots. No one knew that he was missing. He just yeah. literally like talk about abandonment issues. The yeah. entire universe just forgets who the fuck you are. Yeah. Uh, this was cool. This was really cool. And I like that the team is huge. There's a lot of characters to dive into here. Uh, I'm wondering if we're going to get this guy back from the original Young Justice uh, Peter David run. Yeah. Kid Lobo? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it's about time they kind of did something like this with the young team, right? Like the yeah. the idea of satellite members, like they did with, uh, with Justice League so yeah. many times. Like, I feel like 
the Justice League books have always oscillated between the two, like core team, huge team, core team, huge team. Every time it gets stale, they just kind of like either expand it or, or contract it. These team books haven't really done that, that I can remember. Like it's always just been like core team and small or we're misfits. Yeah. Why not make it a big organization? And, yeah. and that they brought in a bunch of the other, like, Wonder Comics stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Dial H has been a part of this book for a couple issues. The Wonder Twins. Having the, the Wonder Twins with their, with their connection to the Hall of Justice. They intern at the Hall of Justice. Yeah. So they're just like, yeah, just come on by. I'll get you guys badges. It'll be cool. Uh, we can use the side room as our headquarters. Like, they're really into it. Yeah. It's, this book's cute as shit. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to catch up because I'm just totally enamored with it. And the only reason I'm not caught up is because of life. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Uh, if you want to help the show out, you can go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. You know what? Just Venmo me your money at JD's Hero Complex. And um, Noel, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on social media at Mr. Bartocci, M R B A R T O C C I, or just any of the Cold Pop podcast uh, social pages, and I'll say so. And then uh, what's coming up? Uh, for my store, we do movie night and uh, book club night. Uh, I believe this Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, our book club book is going to be Genderqueer um, for LGBTQ month. So we'll be talking about that on Zoom. So any, wherever you are, you can join us. Just uh, go to Facebook and join the JD's Hero Complex book club group, um, and I'll let you in, and uh, we'll, you can come hang out with us. And anything else? Like us, share, review, rate, whatever you want to do. Do all that stuff. Help us out. We love doing this and we love talking to you. And thank you for so much for showing up and chatting with us. It means the world to us. And uh, hope you guys are staying healthy, staying safe. And we will talk at you later. Bye. And broadcast. Go. Done. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Hardcast where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is